You know what I like a lot, Sarah? Tell me. When we do no planning whatsoever and just say, let's record, anything can happen. <laughs> I mean, we fly by the seat of our pants here at Faded Maids. Sure. I understand that there are some people who, you know, take notes, do work, <laughs> <laughs> plan, prepare. I highlighted some information in the book. I did too. I looked up the name of the next book. Like, I feel fully prepared. (laughs) Here's my theory. This is a book of suspense, and now everyone listening is going to also feel suspense about how it's going to turn out. (laughs) We too are on tenter hooks, (laughs) as they like to say. Yes. I'm pretty sure it's tenter hooks with a T, y'all. Really? Not tender hooks. I'm I'm Googling it. See here, we're going to begin. We're beginning here with this. Already, things are interesting and exciting. It's tenter hook with a T. What the heck is a tenter it hook? It means it's a hook used to fasten cloth on a drying frame or tenter. So obviously, obviously that's what it means. I don't know what a tenter is, y'all. But we're going to put a picture. Look down. Uh, yeah, look down. Everybody right now, there's going to be a picture for sure. Of a tenter. It does make me feel a little better because I have always wondered what the fuck a tender hook is a weird. Sure. Just like anal hook. These are things I don't understand. Oh, yikes on bikes. It's early for that. <laughs> Someone is listening to this at 5 a.m. But remember when I had to look up what that was? And I was like, oh. You know who it is? It's Marielle Brown, who is always the first one. Sure. Sure. Hey, Marielle. How you doing? <laughs> Good morning. Shout out. It's it, it's the middle of the night or something. She always, you know, she's always there. Insomniacs just do it different. Um, I was thinking about you today because I read an article in, in the New York Times. I mean, I didn't read it. Sure. To be honest. It's fine. Because who reads them? Fair. Who has time? I read the... Um, the headline and the... I read the headline that was that was emailed to me because for some reason, at the beginning of the pandemic... I signed up for breaking news alerts from... Oh, no. Which seems like a terrible idea at the beginning of a pandemic, but I did. I signed up for the breaking news alerts. So now I still get them, and they're like, Prince Philip died. A Kardashian did a thing. (laughs) Like, the breaking news alerts from the New York (laughs) Times have really, like, slowed down. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Um, And today there was a breaking news alert about a study about people who are middle-aged, over 50... Not so there not yet. you yet, but heads up, <laughs> because it said if you sleep fewer than six hours a night, you are 30% more likely to develop dementia after 70. And I feel like that would be bad for the podcast. <laughs> Can you imagine 20 I'm years sorry. from now? That was very <laughs> insensitive. Are you kidding? But... It's hilarious. I was like, what would the podcast even be like 20 years from now? 25, 25. We're going to be on the moon, <laughs> broadcasting from the moon. No, yes. our, our, we'll have chips in our brains. Sure. We won't even have to look at each other. Yeah, we'll no. just be able to tap in. There will be no garage band. It'll just be like a retina band. It'll just be like, do-do-do-do. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Faded Mates, everyone. I'm Jennifer Prokop. I'm a romance reader and critic. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write romance novels. And this week's book is Whiteout by Adriana Anders, 
which Jennifer chose as one of the best books of 2020 for our Fate of Mates Best of 2020 episode. And I had not read until this week. And was I wrong? I agree. I fully support this choice for best books of 2020. Yeah. It was great. What a fun fucking read. Yeah, totally. I mean... I wanna, I, I'm gonna be so I'm so excited to talk about it for a lot of reasons. I would also like to say for those of you reading it now, I read it. I read Smack it bang in the middle of a pandemic. No, I read it before the pandemic started. <gasps> oh, right, because it was a January. Book. Yes, and then the pandemic came, and I remember. I think I might have tweeted at Adriana Andrews like, "How are you feeling about this, ma'am?" <laughs> Yeah, right? right? And so, yeah, there's it that part's really interesting, prophetic even. But yeah, it is such a fun read. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how we'll get to yeah. the setup for book 2. Yeah. But I wonder how writing book 2 was yeah. during a like cuz the concept is still there, right. still relevant. Exactly. Uh, let's get to it cuz these two mm. do some danger banging. Yeah, they in do. The cold. Yes, they do. Um, and here's something fun. Um, Adriana has written some of my very favorite romance yeah. things. Um, I am an evangelist for loving The Secret Billionaire, which is a novella that I have talked about on the podcast before yes. and is truly delicious. And if you love a virgin hero who's also a filthy, dirty talker, sure, this is for you. Um, and so I was like, how are these two going to bang it out in the cold? Literally, I tweeted about it mid-book. I'm going to pull up all these tweets. I was like, because how? Because penises and negative 45 degree weather do not seem like they would go together. They don't, as a matter of fact, no. <laughs> and she takes care of it. It's fine. It's fine. We'll get there. We're going to we'll get, get there. there. She's very cautious. She's very, she takes care of the junk and that is what is important. <laughs> Everybody is, is everybody safe? Safe in Antarctica. It's true. I mean, I was reminded by how much I hate the idea of spending any time in the cold. Oh. So, also, yeah. Eric is trying to get me to camp right now. This was the exact wrong book to be reading during this. Because my answer is, no thank you. Mr. Reed's Romance and I used to camp before my insomnia was really bad. That sounds nice. But, uh, it, and, and here's the other thing. We lived in California, and you can camp at lovely places in California where you wake up and it's like Lake Tahoe. When you camp in Illinois... This is, Eric grew up in this kind of place. Yes. Where it's nice. Right. Nice for camping. <laughs> um, I don't. I do not camp anymore. I, I have insomnia, and the very idea of trying to sleep in a tent on the cold, hard ground is a no-go. And we live in Illinois. Forget it. I don't have insomnia, but I feel like camping should have some sort of, like, statute of limitations. Like, if you've never camped in a tent before 40, you certainly shouldn't ever have to do it after. Absolutely. I agree. (laughs) Or you're like, you and our daughter can camp, and I will show up. this is a nice bonding thing that they can do. I will show up. And, like, be there through the s'mores hour, and then I will camp at the nearest Hyatt Hotel. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like, where is the nearest hotel? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so, um, but also, if it's even remotely cold, I don't want any part of it, and this book 
prove that to me. So I should start off by telling you that I love to read a nonfiction book about people climbing mountains. Oh, yeah. That Krakauer book is yes. terrific. Into Thin Air. If you haven't read that John Krakauer book about the people climbing, climbing Everest. Everest, yeah. Wowee. It's great. Into the Wild is also great. The movie, less so. Yeah. The book is great. So I am a fan of these, like, of these. I, I read another Mount Everest book, actually. I'm a, I'm a fan, right? I, I enjoy reading these books. So I think I was also just, like, predisposed to liking this book because, yeah. you know, I, I personally have no interest in ever... I don't even really like outside. So I'm fascinated by these people who are like, yes, let's go to Antarctica. I will say this. Antarctica seems better than, like, the woods where there are bugs and animals. I think that cold thing is kind of a deal breaker for me. But whatever. I mean, you live in Chicago. How much colder could it really be? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, you know, here's my theory. Everybody where they live has their way of justifying where they live as not being that bad. Mm -hmm. So, like, I say to people all the time, I'm like, okay, sometimes it gets truly cold in Chicago. But for, like, 48 hours. People in Phoenix live in 100-degree-plus weather for six months at a time. It's practice for hell. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) You know, there's no water there. I I have a lot of questions, but I trust that they are like, who the fuck would live in a place like Chicago where everything's flat and it's cold all the time? I get it. What I really want is for, you know, there's always that Twitter thread of like, tell us the greatest thing about living in the place where you live. Right. I want, tell us the worst thing. Tell us about being in Brooklyn in August on Trash Day. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. See? Exactly. It's terrible, but it's just a month. Sure. Exactly. (laughs) I want to talk about how we... Well, we should probably talk about the plot first. Well, yeah, but first (laughs) can we talk about just romantic suspense in general? Yes. Because we have never done a romantic suspense episode. Yeah, that's true. And so I think we should talk about romantic suspense. Yeah. For just a... A little bit, and then we'll talk about the plot of the book. Okay, so here's what I would say about all all the subgenres, right? Because a big question people have, I think, is like, well, what makes it romantic suspense versus suspense? And I think the question is always like, what's the A plot, right? So the romance has to be the A plot in romantic suspense. And but it's like the question is like, well, what is the percentage? Right? Like, what, how much of the we're trapped in Antarctica and trying to escape the bad guys can it be before it becomes pure suspense with like a romance subplot? And I think that these are questions that are like sort of different for everyone. Um, and, and I think this is why you have to really, I think, love and know a subgenre. Like, I would, if people ask me for romantic suspense recommendations, I would have a hard time. I'd be like, here are a couple I've enjoyed. Yeah. But you should talk to people who are experts in romantic suspense. But I do think that there are some books that are just so genuinely great that even if you are not an expert in the subgenre, you can recognize its greatness. And I would argue that this is one of them. I think that's true. I also think that something that people forget about romance and something that I really try to hammer home with people who don't understand the genre at all Mm -hmm. is that romance writers have to be able to do 
multiple things at once, mm-hmm. right? So if you're writing romantic suspense, you have to be able to write a legitimately suspenseful yes. story and also a rewarding romance. Yes, the romance is the A plot, but I will I also feel like in romantic suspense, like it's so close, the A and B plots. Like, I agree have to really be tightly, tightly connected so that you're not, like, leaving. I think the failure of so many romantic suspense plots is either only one of the characters is advancing the suspense plot or the suspense plot is just not, like, it's, it's every other chapter is the suspense. Sure. Right? It's not a full arc. And I think Adriana does this so smartly by, by virtue of the entire premise. But... I also think, like, when you're talking about fantasy and romance or mm-hmm. or paranormal romance or, um, you know, the many different subgenres of fantasy, of sci-fi and fantasy, they have to be able to be great sci-fi novels and romance novels. Yeah. Great fantasy novels and right. romance novels. Right. Like, and so when we talk about, say, Millivane's A Heart of Blood and Ashes— it's a fantastic fantasy romance because it has the world building of the fantasy coded into it. It has fantastical elements, but the romance is just as solid. Right. And I think that is true of every, and also like a straight up contemporary or straight up historical has to be, a historical has to be able to give you the feel of a historical novel right? and keep the romance in A plot. We are constantly balancing, we are, we are doing a balancing act in every one of our books right. to make it so that the book works on two levels and we never get the credit for that. Yeah. To me, this conversation we're having is the difference between a subgenre and a trope. Oh, interesting. Say more about that. Yes, I agree. So if it's romantic suspense, if I'm identifying it as that subgenre, I am saying that the elements of suspense are built into every part of the story. It's not just that there's, like, one car chase, right? Or, right, so it feels like sometimes when we talk about tropes, that's a shortcut for talking. But, you know, a book can be packed with tropes, and they can layer on top of each other. But, Mm -hmm. like, romantic suspense is the foundation. You can't take it away, right? And a trope, if you were like, okay, there's only one sleeping bag, I could maybe pluck that out of the book and not really change the suspense plot. But I cannot say, oh, it's romantic suspense because there's only one sleeping bag, right? Does that make sense? So yes. I feel like um, there that is like another way, I think, to sort of judge, like, is it really romantic suspense or is it just an action-filled contemporary? Right. Yes. And I feel like a lot of um a lot of books I I enjoy are action-filled contemporaries. Yes. Right? And mm-hmm. so I think that when we talk about suspense and I'll be interested to hear what you think. And now I would like to point out that most of the suspense I read everyone knows this is of the Jack Reacher variety. But I would argue So you're well trained. I'm well trained by um that man. Um mm-hmm. here's the things I would say to me that like really have to not I don't know if they all have to be there, but I think that I would expect to be there. So one is obviously really high stakes 
that are external to the romance itself, right? Some outside force is exerting the pressure on these characters, right? And when I say high stakes, I literally mean life or death. Yeah. Right? I mean, it has to be. It has to be. Somebody's got to be facing a villain at the end of this business. Right. There's going to be blood at some point. (laughs) Yes. I think that I have to feel like the character, like we've, you know, we joke all the time about how we, you and I both like um, characters backed into corners, but this in romantic suspense, it's like beyond even the corner, right? Like they're dangling off the edge of the cliff, literally. And so we have to really feel like they have been pushed to their most extreme limits and they are still going to like come, you know what I mean? They're going to find hidden reserves of strength or they're gonna you know kind of miraculously come out on top of that um but i mean it can't just be like i think has to be uh continuously pushing them past Mm -hmm. what they think they can do or what they think anyone can do right yep it's kind of a mystery, too, right? There's some hidden information. There's something that's a secret that's going to be uncovered. There's something yeah. they don't know that they're have, you know, they're going to have to uncover, right? Something like that. Because other, I mean, I guess it could just be suspense, like they're trying to escape, but then it's just like them versus a tornado. I do think that in the romantic suspense, because there's a villain, yep. the true nature of the villain or what they're after or where they are or whatever has to be a bit hit right there's some uncovering of that i guess i'd say yeah i think that's fair i would add two other things i think i reserve the right to add other things but other things one is the danger bang oh yeah absolutely um i think that the promise of the romantic suspense premise is that at some point they're going to be in big trouble and Mm -hmm. they're going to they're going to also bang it out. Sure. It's like fear bang. <laughs> yes. And I particularly enjoy it when it's like adrenaline rush. Yes. And then like, oh my God, we can't yeah. not touch each other. Right. I love that. I like that in regular old romance novels. So I expect it in a romantic suspense. Um, and then the other thing, and I think this is the more important of the two, is um, it has the relationship between the two characters, no matter what. And romantic suspense, obviously, like, all relationships are in play, potentially, in a romantic suspense. It's not like they have to have already met before. Or, right. you know, there are all sorts of different ways that the genre, the subgenre can work. Um, but I do think that ultimately it has to be you and me against the world. Yes. Right? Like, invariably, these two characters are working, have to work together mm-hmm. to solve yep. the mystery, fight the baddie. Yeah. Escape. You know, win, win, win the day. Right. right? And the, I do believe that romantic suspense requires, I think the people who write romantic suspense extremely well are possibly the best among us writing-wise, craft-wise, because in order for them to thread the needle of you and me against the world and keep a romance at 11... Mm-hmm. It has to be that internal conf the internal conflict has to be there, right? Right. But it can't be enemies to lovers in the extreme where like they're working at odds. Right. They have to be going in the same direction. A great enemies to lovers romance 
outside of romantic suspense can be about like we both want our needs and wants are diametrically opposed. So we are constantly pulling against each other. That is not how it can, it cannot work that way in romantic suspense. They have to be moving in the same direction. And somehow also it has to be believable that they are not together until the end of the book. Right. Right. And that is incredibly difficult. And she does it so well in this book. Oh, absolutely. I'll say one more thing. There's a thing I used to say a lot in season two, and I feel like I haven't said it as much lately, and I don't know why, which is, like, there's books that are out there hunting for big game, right? And I feel like this is a really, really good romantic suspense, and I think it's because the stakes are so high. It's so unique, too. Yes. I mean, this entire premise... Literally, I describe it to people, and they're like, yes, give that to me. Because how can it work? And so I think that, to me, there's a sense of when you get started of, like, how is it going to turn out? Really great romantic suspense has to has the, has to have the capacity to really surprise you. Yes. Right? Like, really have you wondering, how the F are these people going to make it out of here? Also... Honestly, I believe that if you put down as a romantic suspense novel, that is bad. It's bad. Yeah. Bad news bears. And I mean, I know some of us are not as fast readers as Jen and I are, but there is a sense of, I mean, and I, I say all the time, like if it takes you longer than six hours for you to read one of my books, like I've done something wrong. Like if you can Mm -hmm. put it down and not come back to it, it's a problem. And I think all, everybody who reads romance kind of has a sense of this, but like the pacing has to be impeccable in these books. Because if you walk away from it, you lose like, all that if you think of a yeah. romantic suspense, it's like a balloon that's like constantly being blown up. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're just waiting to get to the explosion. If you walk away in the middle, all the air sure. comes out and you have to like, right rebuild your suspenseful experience. I mean, uh, Adriana makes some really, I think, purposeful, useful choices through the yes. writing of this book to keep the, yes. the, to keep your anxiety up. Right. Um, but truthfully, I think that one of the, one of the joys of reading this for me was the fact that it was set in such a weird place. Yeah. Like in such a, and it had such a truly, like, oh, fuck, kind of experience yeah. from the beginning. Right. It's It ends up being true in this book, but I wasn't necessarily expecting it at the beginning. Romantic suspense often creates, like, a there's a found family effect in romantic mm-hmm. suspense, right? Often it's, like, groups of people that are sort of, you know— bound together by previous jobs. A lot of times it's military. I think we're going to talk about some of some of the pitfalls for when I don't enjoy romantic suspense that don't really come into play in this book. Um, and and I th- and I think so. That's the other thing. If you like that, like found family, a lot of times it's like you know we are going to work together to bring down the big bad, and then it takes three or four books for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of this book, I wasn't necessarily expecting that, but that is going to be the way it's going to play out. Yeah, there is a book two coming out later this summer. So it's coming out August twenty fourth, and that's exciting. 
because I'm going to, and I'm going to make Adriana do an event with me because I also have a book coming out August 24th and I want to talk about, I don't know, danger banging. Amazing. I don't know. Oh no, there's danger banging in Bombshell. So it works out. See? See? We do it. So if you're a bookseller and you want to do an event with Adriana and me called Danger Bang. (laughs) Yes. Who wouldn't want to come to that? My goodness. Okay. So I think as we keep talking, we will come up with some of the other elements. But I think it's really worth saying, I think what you said is repeating, which is, I think these plots in order to be successful are married very tightly together. And that's what's happening in this book. So Yes. And so let's talk about the plot because yeah. they really it also it felt very much like this book is paced a lot like a film. Like yes. it really feels like you're watching a movie <laughs> when you're I reading said, this you book. guys listen. I sent it to my sister in law who writes for TV. I was like, You gotta turn this into a Netflix movie. It's what great. are you doing? It's great. Mm-hmm. Um and it so it begins. On Antarctica at yes. a base station, um, a science, you know, all I, Antarctica strikes me as the kind of place I knew a guy once. I had a crush on a guy once who ended up spending like three years at a base station in our, in our Antarctica. I mean, I won't go camping with my actual real husband, but like <laughs> this guy I had a big crush on. So it was never going to work. But the point is that. I feel like the people who go to Antarctica are like scientists. Yeah. And like delightful geeks. Like who I want to hang out with and like meet at a cocktail party and like spend an hour talking to about their time in Antarctica. But it never feels like bad things happen in, ten- in no. Antarctica. It feels like everyone wears a red puffy jacket. This is my vision <laughs> of Antarctica. Don't disabuse me of it. I feel like everyone wears a red puffy jacket and they all have like very, very dark sunglasses and a lot of like zinc oxide on their face (laughs) for the sun. And then they're cold. They have a lot of socks, but they talk about science and stuff. Sure. And ice cores. There are seasons. There are seasons in Antarctica and... Our heroine, Angel, is the is a cook, actually. She's essentially the cook for the station during the summer, which is when it is, like, at the highest population of people, yeah, which still, by the way, cruises not, go to Antarctica. Does not seem like tons of people, but anyway. Also, it's very cold. Always. It's not Always. warm ever. No. But it's called summer. Sure. Just because of where the sun is, everybody. It's because it's summer. It's suntime. It's suntime. All the time. <laughs> the sun I'll doesn't put, set. If you guys don't really understand the mechanics of that, because it's been a long time since middle grade science. Oh, but Jen likes a moon, so. I do. I will go ahead and put some She'll help. amazing links explaining this. The anyway. point is the sun shines there 24 hours a day for part of the year, and that is the summertime, but it is also extremely cold. Yes. And Angel. And during the summer, they bring in outside people to, like, yeah, right. cook them real food so they don't have to eat, like, granola bars and butter. Fat bombs. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? I learned a lot right. about, you know, the Antarctica diet. <laughs> yes. I would like everyone to know before we talk about any more of this plot that I am entirely sure I would not have made it five steps out. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> oh, no. You know, it's, we're going to talk about it. There's, anyway, like, we'll talk about that. Go on without me, Ford. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, just leave me here. I'm fine. Um, so, what happens is the 
the summer crew is going to be flown out the next morning, leaving a skeleton crew of scientists who winter over. Which really does sound terrible. It does sound really terrible. And Ford Cooper is is one of those the scientists. The Iceman. The Iceman. But not in that Top Gun way. I mean, maybe. Um, although maybe. he does take off his shirt at one point, fine, maybe. He's pretty sure. hot. There's no volleyball. <laughs> it's fine. He is going to stay over and the winter over, and she is in, in the group of people who will be leaving. But what happens is things start to get weird that night. So... Ford well, there's a party. Goes, yeah, there's a party. That part's normal. There's that a party. That normal. And Angel asks Ford to dance, and he says, oh, no. he says no. Like a dummy. He's an interesting character. He is really, like, super duper. I cannot even express to you how um, introverted this man is, right? He really likes the if silence you like and grumpy solitude. sunshine oh, yeah, as a trope, right? this is your book. He has found some ice cores and has, and then they all get stored in these storage arches, which I had a hard time imagining, but you I know, bet they're real and I will look them up and put them in They reminded me of like catacombs in like wine cellars yeah. in Europe. If you've ever, you know, seen pictures of those, that's what right. I, that's what I used as like a, yeah, but made of ice. Yeah. So Ford is looking for one of his friends who he notices at like his friend's like science site. Something there's like blood on the ice and he's like, well, I don't know if what's happening here. Maybe it was a nosebleed, but you're not supposed to actually like make any kind of mess in Antarctica. Right. Yeah, he's so, very pushy. He's very like specific about waste. Yeah. Right. Like this shouldn't have been left here. So but he's like, it's so weird that it was. I'm going to go try and find my friend. But he can't find him that night. Um, you know, there's the sense that something is a little bit off. And right, we know. Yeah. Because in classic romantic suspense fashion, it begins with the death of this poor scientist. Sure. Who right. was a delightful person. Of course. And he actually writes out in his own blood the guilty party, right? Very, Very helpful. Classic. Extremely yes. helpful. <laughs> so, <laughs> the next morning, she's, you know, everyone's packing up to get on the, the plane out. It'll be, like, the last plane because once it is winter night all the time and, you know, stormy, planes can't really fly safely in Antarctica. So, I'm, like, science reasons, apparently. And she is, <laughs> um, realizes that she really should go down to, like, the storage arches and bring up some food to, like, stock up for the winter people. While she's down there, she witnesses another murder. And she realizes that they're after these ice cores. And she hides, and but, you know, she gets caught by the bad guy who is essentially, like, the the manager, right? Like he'd come in to manage the station and now she understands that he's nefarious and up to no good. And um, it's like super suspenseful right from the beginning because she has to literally like fight for her life down in the, the storage ice arches. Meanwhile, Ford is busy looking for his friend and realizes that something is really amiss, right? There's been... The upstairs rooms have been destroyed. Like, there's no technology. All the computers are gone. All the phones are gone. The generator is 
gone, has been destroyed. And somebody's ruined all of his drills out there in the yeah, ice, there which in is ice. sad. He invented those, and it yes. was a bummer for everyone. Yes. <laughs> so he gets back, and uh, Angel has been locked in the catacombs, the ice catacombs. Right, while and the bad guys have escaped on their plane, because they think that they have the ice cores. But they do not smart, realize that she has swapped them out, right? She's smart. So now we have this destroyed station. There's enough food to survive, but there's no way to stay warm. So they're dead in the water there, or the ice, I guess. And the bad guys have left, and Ford finds Angel, and they compare notes, and she tells him, oh, I saved the ice cores. I moved them under the bags of rice. (laughs) And he's clever girl. Yes. And he also realizes. He would never say that to her. No, yes. they're going to come thinks back. It. He thinks clever. Girl. He's like, we are not going to be able to survive here. They're going to come back for them. And also, there is no way for us to stay warm. So the only obvious thing for us to do. This is not the kind of staying warm experience where you can just, like, everybody strips naked and you no, just lay around not, naked. It's no. too cold for that. The saint does not. We've <laughs> talked before about hypothermia. <laughs> None of that's going to work. The value of the Elizabeth Shue, Val Kilmer moment. But that's, it's too, it's colder than Russia is what we're saying. So here's the thing I'm telling you. At this point, he's like, you know what we're going to have to do? We are going to have to go to the Volkov station. To the Russian station. The Russian station, 300 miles away. And she's like, hang on a second. There's a South African station like 20 miles away. And he's like, that's over a mountain. Yeah. And can't so get there. We can't do that. We're going to have to go on cross-country skis. We think we can do it in 20 days. We'll have a tent and some sleds full of food. We'll eat some f- fat bombs, which are these, like, it's like granola and butter. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently you burn six to 7,000 calories in a day on an- Antarctica. So. I mean, because your body's trying so hard to stay alive. Yeah. So, it, you know, if you need to lose weight for a movie or something. I guess Henry that's Cavill. the place to go. Head out. Who knows? <laughs> so they, they're going to be able to take, like, some kind of snowplow truck 50 miles. And then, and then it'll run out of gas. 250 miles on skis. And I got to tell you, everybody, he tells her this plot. And I was like, no, ma'am. But are you sure? Can't you make, like, a little <laughs> oven out of, a like, a tea light candle? I remember seeing that on the internet when things went bad in Houston. <laughs> exactly. I've watched the same Aren't many times. scientist? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the other thing that happens is, like, he sort of sets it all up, and he's like, we, in his, when we're in his POV, he's like, I don't actually know that we're going to be able to pull this yeah, off in three right. weeks. But when yeah. we're in, we're in hers, her POV, he's like, it's going to be fine. Yeah, he's really like, great. he really is like the iciest, most alpha, like perfection, yeah. because he will not. And then I love the part where Adriana kind of drops late in the game that he was a C, he was like special ops. Oh yeah, like a army ranger or something. Yeah, yeah. and so it's like you don't really know that he like. This is the, if you are going to get chased by murderers through negative 40 degree Antarctic weather, this is the guy you want with you. (laughs) It's great. Now, here's the part that's also really interesting. He, because he was just like awkward, introverted man, did not 
he he was really attracted to her, but just like kind of couldn't deal with his feelings. I mean, talk. I mean, several <laughs> times in this book, he's just like feelings. <laughs> and so the and and I think he also sort of thinks that she's a little flighty, right? Like he doesn't well, really she's so sunshiny, right? That he doesn't think she. I mean, he's literally like surprised from the very beginning, like. Sh- you know, he says something like, you never know, essentially, how people are going to be when it's life or death. And he would have never guessed that she well, was so, yeah. right? There's this great moment right at the start. And usually when we do the plot of a book, it goes faster than this. But I think there are some really, obviously, yeah. romantic suspense. The plot is important. This right. gives you a sense of the difference between the two yes. kinds right. of books that we are talking yeah, about. Yeah, right. Um there's a moment sort of early, like very early, where they're leaving, and mm-hmm. he's basically like, we're going to leave the cores here. Yeah. And she's like, we are not. Yeah. Like, we are definitely not doing that. And he's like, they're heavy. And she's like, I don't care if I have to lift these things by myself. Yeah. We're taking them because people have died yes. for them. And I, like, will not let these baddies win. Get them, yeah. And it's kind of great. Yes. Because he's sort of like, well, we could just leave it. Yeah. I do think he's kind of a ding-dong about, like, why would they want the virus? Oh, have we even talked about this? So in the core, in the ice core. Yeah. So he's been doing this. So it's unclear because it's science. It's fossils, right? Quite literally. It's it's literally fossils. fossils. Yeah, exactly. And I like this. So he's been drilling the ice core. And it's not a lot of it. It's just... It's so, it's such a light It doesn't matter, right, exactly. It's romance reason. So he is, he's been drilling in the ice core. He's been drilling these cores to, like, research. He's a scientist, and he's been, like, looking at the the layers of the Antarctic ice for science stuff. And in the last, in recently, he's he's drilled, you know, X number of cores, and he's found this virus, essentially, this, like, ancient virus that's in the core, the ice, Mm -hmm. deep in the ice in Antarctica. And he sent it off to be identified by, like, a stateside scientist. And now, like, here we go. A pharmaceutical company in the States is looking for, like, wants this virus. Yes. Basically to create the vaccine for it. And, you know, it's a sort of sense of what what might happen with this is just terrible. Like, it's... Yeah, but it's also... If you saw that Avengers movie where Thanos wants to kill half of the people, right? Like, this woman essentially has... I mean, and you know what's great about it? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, we're not really... She's so... You know, she wants vengeance. She wants vengeance for her... Her grandchildren have been murdered, and so she's gonna, like, let this virus loose... On purpose to kill a bunch of people. I want to devise a virus to bring dire straits to your environment. And then have the vaccine that will save however many other people. I'm now going to tell you something about sometimes why I struggle with romantic suspense and why I really like this. I liked that a completely fanatical, evil white woman in charge of a, f- a pharmaceutical company was the big bad. Because one of the unfortunate things that happens in a lot of romantic suspense, and it's why I don't read a lot of it, is Mm. it really uses, like, poor people in poor parts of the world and, you know, um, in continents that we think of that, you know, 
like in Africa or South America that are like essentially just using like the citizens of those countries as like cannon fodder for like these white people to run through and have sex. And it's kind of gross. And those are the ones that I cannot read. And it's, I'm sure that someone has written really respectful romantic suspense where that's not the case. I, you know, but I will say when I read, I, I really don't want to read about, you know, Middle Eastern terrorists and all of the really, um, truly stereotypical and problematic. Oh, I don't know if I'm saying this right. No, I think you're, I think you're hundred percent right. I also think that in this particular case, like, I think that the evil is, I think there's a, there is something to capitalism here. Like mm-hmm. there's, there is, yes. look, the, I mean, the last four years have taught, if they've taught us anything, they've taught us that like billionaires are bad for us. They're bad yeah. for us. And like, yeah. this is absolutely about that it's about like yeah. too much power she has she talks at one point about like having had every american president in her office yes, right she at one at like at the end of the book like i don't want to spoil too much what happens at the end because it doesn't really matter what happens sure. at the end because it just tees up the next book but like at the end of the book she just picks up the phone and calls the united states senator and it's basically like fuck these we're people. gonna clean it up destroy yeah. them and like yeah. and he's like good idea let's do it and right. so I think there is just a sense of, like, immense power in this book. Yeah. And we have talked so many times about romance novels, of course, being about power. And I think that's one of the other things that I really loved about this book mm. is, of course, there's power between every relationship is power, is a power right. negotiation. And in this case, like, the you know, there's, there's Ford and... Angel and their kind of dis- disparity in terms of like him having this like immense skill to see- to keep them alive in right. Antarctica, but like she has so much power too. Like they're so balanced. But then there's the power. There's the the conversation about like you know who who has access to the money necessary mm-hmm. to destroy the world. The way that. Um, the powerful people in the United States are manipulating these, like, scientists, yes. potentially right. destroying, like, huge swaths of a population for kicks, really. Yeah. I mean, like, because right. they want to. Yeah. And I think Adriana is doing so much work about yeah. around the structure of our world in a way that we've talked a lot about how romance reflects the society and the issues of the society that we're in. And I'm hard-pressed to think of another romance novel recently that has really done this job. I would say Big Bad Wolf by Suleika Snyder does in a way about... Right? But, like, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, So I guess I just want to say that, like, as we, like, kind of pause before we get back to the book, like, the evil here felt, especially, you know, in these pandemic times, Mm -hmm. it really felt like, yeah, this is, I want to read, this is what I want to read. I want to read about evil, evil capitalist billionaires 
using their power in like reckless ways and a total disregard for all human lives that are not people they know. I mean, it was literally like white out, white supremacy. But what's <laughs> wild about it is she, yeah. it's such a light touch. Oh, yeah. Because like, the actual book is really about two people surviving yes. in the wilderness. Yeah. So, I mean, let's talk about that. Let's talk about yeah. the structure of the actual suspense piece, which is yes. so, okay, they're on the run. The reason why they are leaving is twofold. One, the generator is there, there is a backup generator. Right. It's going to run out of gas. Mm-hmm. So, they know they can't, they cannot overwinter here. Right. And then, um, the, so they have to get to another warmer place. On top of it, there is this sort of ticking clock. He knows that since they didn't leave with the virus, they're going to come back for come it. Come back for it. So the there's a clock. human enemy. Yes. I mean, yep. it's all ticking clock. The whole book is a ticking clock. But I would say that's another, I was just thinking, it's another great way to describe romantic suspense, yeah. right? There has to be a ticking clock. Yeah. Right? Literally. So there's this whole, um, so there are two reasons why they have to run. So there are two things for them to be afraid of. But of course, the thing that they have to be really afraid of at every moment is dying of hypothermia, like dying in the snow and ice of this wasteland. Like there is at any moment they could legit die. So the way that she sets the ticking clock is very simple and like Mm -hmm. we've seen it before but effective is you know she tells you at the beginning of every chapter what day it is like where they are what day it is how many days how many miles they are from where they need to be and how much how much food they have and from at the beginning you sort of think the first day is like they're just going slower like she's a drag not a huge drag, but, like, he was planning right. for a 10 to 12-mile hike every day, and she can only get eight miles. She meant eight. Right. Which, I mean, great job, Angel. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, you're doing good work. Great. <laughs> so, um, she can only get eight miles, and so, like, he's, and they only have 21 days of food, and so it's a very sort of stressful thing. And then, and that kind of goes for, like, a couple chapters. Right. And then in my head, I was like, okay, well, we can't do... We can't do this for 20 days. days. Like, what's what's going to happen? And she's, so she's intercutting. There are scenes with the bad guys. Right. Where, like, you know they're coming back. What You know, so there's that kind of, like, periodic urgency that humans are coming. Sure. And then uh, she falls in the crevice, right? Yes. And I was going to say, one of the things I really liked upon rereading was the, like, mild foreshadowing that the landscape was going to be working against them, right? So it's like, you know, she's skiing and there's like a, a, like a bobble or she like sort of, you know, there's all this like talk about like, and, and then essentially she like literally just like falls down a crevasse with her sled um, attached to her. The Princess Bride. You know, in The Princess Bride, I do. <laughs> you must be a Princess Bride fan, right? Absolutely. When they're in the um, fire swamp and Buttercup sort of, they're talking and then Buttercup nods and walks away and then she just <laughs> sinks into the... It's <laughs> exactly <laughs> what it sand, is. I think it's called yes. or whatever it's called. Yes. I mean, it is exactly like that. She's just there yes. and then boom, she's yes. gone through the ice. And it's brilliant because... And you're like, we're like, oh shit. Yes. Because I and just think of Antarctica as being like... Flat. Flat Flat and, like, hard pack. 
Yes, right. A solid sheet of ice. You would skate on it. Why aren't they skating? (laughs) And so he go, I mean, and then he, you know, I mean, God, like the pulling her out and the saving her. And the ski hole. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. He has to cut. And I can't see the bottom of this crevice. And half of her shit has fallen down in there. Like, (gasps) yeah. So stressful. Right. And it is, it's this, I mean, literally like heart stopping, Mm -hmm. right? But it's also really important because at one point she had said to him, there's going to be a moment where you're going to realize that you can keep going and you can, you know, and what we see is no matter what, this sense that they're a team and he's never going to leave her behind and she is not going to leave him behind either. Because they haven't at this point, they've kissed. Yeah, I think so. Maybe. But they have, I mean, there's no, like. They can't do anything. You literally, you guys I mean, listen. His you can't penis even... would freeze right off. It's just your skin, your noses, let alone your penis. Know, Everything is going to freeze right off. kiss at one point where, like, he, they, like, he, like, rubs <sighs> his nose against hers. And it's so fucking cute. I know. And, like, I hate myself for thinking how cute, for, like, pausing and being like, it's <laughs> so cute. <laughs> but it is so sweet and perfect. Right. So, but then at night, now, you have to understand, I'm going to now tell you this. Okay, so at night, they have this tent. Oh, I, of course, that's on my list. Talk about your favorite thing. They have to zip their sleeping bags together. So I'm now going to say something to our however many thousands of listeners, <laughs> which is I have in my, you know how you have those, like, snippets of scenes from long gone romances that you have probably no hope of ever finding again. Mm -hmm. One I have been obsessed with finding again for uh, uh, years is one where they would zip their sleeping bags together. And then it's like the last night and they don't actually, they're like have found people, but it's going to be the last night they're together for whatever, you know, romance reasons. And she goes back and she's like, oh, they zipped our sleeping bags together. And the hero's like, yeah, they must have done it because they think we're married or something. And it turns out that he did it because he wanted to hold her for one more night. <laughs> I cannot find All right, everyone. Faded mates activate. There's only one sleeping bag. And so this part where, like, they snuggle every night and he holds her. I mean, it's adorable. But they are wearing a lot of clothing. Sure. I mean, the sexiest part of this book is when he's like, I'm going to check your toes for frostbite. And I do not care for that as, like, a concept. No. This I don't camp. I don't want to. I want a no. shower and, like, a bed. There but were, like, she does mention there were wipes, which I thought was a nice oh, nod to all of us. Oh, she's very like, cautious of, like, yes. figuring they out were, ways for everything personal to be done personally. Thank yes. you, Adriana. I appreciate it. <laughs> right. <laughs> They had wipes, everybody. Yeah, no, but he, like, checks her toes, and then he warms her mm. feet, and it's so sweet. Ah, uh, it's all so cute. Anyway, they after she falls in the crevice, that's when they yeah. have, like, danger smooching. Yes. Because they're camping. It's too no, cold. It's too cold. But they can definitely kiss. D- yes. And that's very sweet. And then, but they've lost half their food. They've lost half their food. So right. then it really does feel like, oh, shit, these two are going right. to die. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're, they're hiding, literally... and the gu- the other yeah. guys have come, and they're flying around. They're doing, like, flybys. Sure. So they're hiding from these planes. 
but mm-hmm. also now only have six days of food. Yes. So sorry, everyone. Death is coming. Yes. And, you know, and they're both just, oh, God. Here's the other thing I really think that's great about, like, the suspense part is there's the moments of, like, highest drama, right? She's in the crevasse. She has to pull her back out. Like, you have to, like, come out of that. You can't exist at that state, right? So then you get these, like, really heartfelt, you know, it's not like the danger bang. It's like the danger conversation, Mm -hmm. right? Who am I? What was my childhood like? He tells her the story about him and his brother and their drunk dad, right? So those moments, and I think I'm getting the order of that right. These moments of great physical danger open up emotional intimacy. Yes. Right? Because that's the only intimacy we can get. Because they can't actually have sex. There's no physical intimacy allowed. It has to. So that's like the brilliance of this arc is Adriana knows, okay, I have to give the reader something here. There there has to be something that happens. Yes. And so it's this emotional, like, really heartfelt conversation about who they are and who they miss. And then we get, like, sort of the full story about what drove Angel down to Antarctica in the first place. Right. But then, most importantly, they actually do stumble across a cabin. Well, they run out of food. And yeah. so, like, there's like Sarah, one now, day left. I mean, by now, you all know that I am, like, actually a really tremendously bad reader. I'm extremely lazy. <laughs> and so, like, and so basically, I'm like, well, they've run out of food. So this book is, I mean, this is over. They're dead. Like, in my head, I'm like, there's, I don't know what's going to happen, but for <laughs> sure, these two dummies are dead. And, <laughs> Um, but of, of course, that's not the case because it is, in fact, a, romance a whole novel. book. Um, and and they stumble upon, like, thank God for the Norwegians. Sure, right? I mean, who hasn't said that before? I, <laughs> <laughs> so in come the Norwegians, and they have like a research hut out there filled with food. Very helpful. And a generator. And a generator. So guess who can take his clothes off? And have a bath. Yes. Important. They can have a, bath, have a bath. And they have great sex. They do. And it's amazing. And it's kind of nice because it's just like. Yeah. It's this interlude. It's a this piece. moment where they get two days in. Yes. Like a hut. Right. 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 Yeah. And so, and I think it's really important, the other really important thing that happens there plot-wise, because as you can tell with romantic suspense, the plot is everything, right? Is he can charge up his satellite phone and leave a message for his Navy SEAL brother. Yes. Helpful. Yes. Also, very useful having a Navy SEAL brother. Obviously. I mean, I don't have one, but now I, I mean, I wish I did because it feels I'm going like, to talk to Eric and Mike directly. I mean, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Also because he's not, you guys, he's not just a Navy SEAL. He's a Navy SEAL who has, at one point, it's just like, oh, he's loaded, right? Which is great. Romance reasons. He's so rich that yeah, he like has bought an oil rig out in the Pacific Yes, where, and he's like converted it to like. A luxury Their secret headquarters, right? (laughs) Their secret headquarters for their gang of friends. It is, that is actually available as a novella. I was going to say, that has to be a book, right? Yeah, it's fantastic. Right. It's great. So. Uh, It is fucking delightful. And when they get, now we're jumping all around, but when they get out to that rig in the Pacific. Oh, yeah. And it's like amazing. 
I mean, truly, it's one of those moments where I I was really grateful to have romance in my life because yes, in other absolutely. words, Jack Reacher would never. No. Would never. No. But he like, just leaves town and gets on another bus. This Navy SEAL brother knows how to take care of a lady, is my point. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's so great. I think the other thing is, I would say, I, th- I personally found it very satisfying again, as an emotional arc. One of Ford's things is how hard it is for him. He's like the consummate loner. And so one of the things that I think is successful in romantic suspense is the sense that people, right, you're pushed to your absolute limits, and that means you're going to do things that scare you that you never thought you could do. And for Ford, that's calling his brother. Yep. Right? Like, that is literally asking for help, or at least, at least letting someone out there know what is wrong. And then we get the entrance of, like, another, like, really powerful character. They're not alone anymore. And even though um, Ford and Angel don't know that that's true, right, we as readers know that's true. And so we can then get over that hump of they're dead, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because it, and, and I would also say it's really smart, like, once they danger bang, it's kind of like, okay, we got to wrap this up, and The right? pacing is perfect. They danger yes. bang, and then it just roll. I mean, it's like an avalanche. Boom. It just straight down yes. the hill. Right. I will say this. I want to go back to you pointing out that he's a loner yeah. um, for two reasons. One, I want to just underscore how good that character is in Adriana Anders' hands. Yes. All of her books, mm-hmm. I'm thinking now, and I've read, I think, almost all of them, but every one of the books that I have read by her in multiple series has really made this, like, loner hero kind of perfect. Like, That's there's like a core something, story for her. It's a core story for her. It also, she's so good at, like, loner heroes who are never, this is not ever, they are never morality chain. They are always, like, the best of men. Like, just, like, at their core, really beautiful men who are alone for reasons. And I think there's something really, like, soft and wonderful about her heroes. Yeah, like the world is too hard for them. Yeah. And so it's like finding a way to secretly do your good in the world, like study your ice cores or give money to politics or, you know, I mean, that's the part that I I do think he's a really interesting character. And I found him, I found like that like sort of taciturn after a year in quarantine mostly, right? It's I can sense how poor my conversation skills have become. Yeah. Right? And so I really felt like I understood Ford and how hard it is for him to to just, like, know how to say things. He's just so out of practice, right? And being out of practice makes him more out of practice. And so this adventure they go on, it's it really, like... He has to change, not just to survive, but also to give her what she needs to survive, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, um, my first 
My first of Adriana's books was Loving the Secret Billionaire, the novella. Um, And then I immediately bought everything that she had written at that point. And I want to just take a second and talk about her Blank Canvas series, which is extremely... All the content warnings for this series, it deals heavily with past abuse and domestic violence. I mean, to in an intense, intense way. So please check every check reviews if this is something that you're interested in. Um, but the hero of the first book in that series, Under Her Skin, is um, I, the heroine has been through an exceptionally traumatic relationship. Like, yes, almost like almost unreadable traumatic experience. Um, And the hero of that book um, has, in his own way, uh, he's a loner, he's a blacksmith. Like, I mean, it's the same kind of, you can just sort of see the seeds of Ford in these early books. Um, He's a blacksmith, and he... Obviously, like she's been through, she's been through it as a as a woman, as a partner, and so like when they finally, when these two finally like find their way towards any kind of physical relationship, he is so immensely gentle, um, and he sort of is gentle with her from the start of the book in a really like beautiful way, and all, but has to, his internal conflict is that he has a violent past. Not with not with women, but like he has, you know, also been touched by violence. And so he struggles with his ability to be gentle. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't trust himself. And I think so if this if Ford worked for you, I feel like um under her skin will work for you too, as long as the right content right. you can raise right. is sustainable for you. Angel, so we've talked a lot about Ford, but I also think Angel is a really interesting character because in some ways, both of them are kind of like running away, right? She had her, she had a bad relationship with a man who essentially like she caught cheating, literally, but he also had like stolen all her money to use for this restaurant they opened together and like just run it into the ground. And then they get into a car accident and right, like, I mean, she discloses mm-hmm. all this kind of as she's thinking about her past. And so her, when she takes this job in Antarctica, it's literally like, I just have to get away. And I think sometimes if you put a character on page and sort of intimate that they can't face their problems, mm-hmm. it's very easy to, like, judge. Like, well, why is Ford living in Antarctica? Like, what's wrong with him? And I felt like by giving, even though it's like they're so different in so many ways, by having them share this quality of really like needing a respite from the world that like hurts them Mm -hmm. there's a way in which it becomes a shared emotion right does that make sense like yes and I think it's really smart on her point on her part because then there's no sense that she's gonna like judge him for that right until they get back stateside. Yeah. And then the big question is, okay, and then I kept thinking of speed, which famously, right, like relationships under intense circumstances never work. Mm-hmm. And you see that, like, in a lot of ways, that return stateside is the biggest hurdle hurdle for them. Yeah. And that's when it becomes pure romance, right? Well, yeah, because they're then it sort of has the moment where they 
part ways and then he has to grovel and it works really well. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the fact that she's a cook. <laughs> sure. Obviously. I support you. Um, and I want to talk about her knives because, yes. uh, if you yes. want to talk about like another moment that really ha- makes it a romantic suspense, I think this is, this is a good one. Um, so she's a cook. She is very, and she is the best cook that this base station in Antarctica has ever had. And, um, she cares a lot about food and they talk about it and she tries to explain to him like all the ways that food, you know, she, it's just, if you like food romances, there's a little, a little sprinkling of it, a little seasoning of food romance in here, which made me happy. Um, but at the beginning when they're leaving and he has like basically packed up the 21 days of food and he knows that, and they're worried about the weight of everything. She says, I need my knives which is a real chef thing, like, chefs have their knives. Um, And he's like, what? And she's like, you want to know, like, the one thing, if the house is burning, I want my knives with me. So he, from that moment, like, talk about caretaking heroes, right? Like, he's like, I'll go back in and I'll get your knives. And he does, and they end up on his, which is so smart. Like, it's so smart. So he goes in to get it, so they end up in his pack not in hers. So when she falls into the crevice, she still has her knives. And then at the end, when they face the big bads, um, there is a moment where we have now forgotten. I mean, like, I at that point forgotten about the knives. 1,000% forgotten the knives existed. And then it becomes essential that the knives exist. And again, like, just, again, it seems so simple on the read. Yeah. Like, obviously this is how this all works of out. Of course. But it's such a smart yeah. way and it's perfect Chekhov's gun, right? Like there's yeah, a gun right, on the table course. at the beginning. Someone has to get shot at the end. Um, it's great. And then I also want to say, I remember what I was trying, what I wanted to say earlier about loners, but after they have the danger bit and after they have the sort of respite where they bang it out and then like the pacing starts to just speed up massively. One of the best things is that ultimately they end up meeting back up with all the other scientists who had been abducted essentially from the original camp while Ford was in the ice and Angel was in the caverns. And there's this moment of like pure relief where she releases, I mean, she literally releases the air valve, right? And she says, like, now there's a doctor who's going to take care of them, and this person's going to take care of them. And then they hear the engines of, like, the plane. And one of the characters says, no, no, now we fight together. Like, it's not just you. Yes. It's very heroine's journey to go back to the right that we've the been community. talking about right. the whole time. Like, where the whole book works toward this community piece. He saves her, right? He pulls her out of the crevasse, but she saves him. And I think that's the other thing that, like, really, like, my entire id was really fired up by this. Because the other danger in romantic suspense is that you have damsel in distress, right? Oh, it's and, such and, a common... Yes. And, you know, so it's like, you know, in a lot of these books, he's the, you know, paramilitary and, you know, she's just sort of, like, caught up in the wrong place at the wrong time and he's going to save her. 
And so to have them, even though he is clearly better suited for life on the ice and stronger, there's no part of it ever where her will is just as strong as his, her determination to save him, that they're going to get out of it together, all of that. And when she does ultimately save him, when she is ultimately badass, it's not like... I picked up a gun and I fired the pistol. I fired it and like I killed somebody by accident. It's like she is pissed. She is like, how dare you? And it is. How dare you come for me, for the man I love, for the people I care about, for the world. You don't get to survive. And And it's it's completely rooted in that moment in like who she is and what she's good at. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it was never going to be a gun with her ever. No. Right. No. Oh. It's great. It's great. It's a great read. It's very fun. There are all sorts of moments. It's twisty-turny, and there are all sorts of moments where you end up going, like, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And it's really, really a fun read. So um, let's just talk about, so we've talked about, now I've obviously talked about Adriana's other books. Yeah. um, But I want to just point to, so if you've read Whiteout and you loved it, Uncharted is the next book in the series. It's teed up at the very end of Whiteout. Um, it's the it's the epilogue of Whiteout, mm-hmm. um, and that comes out August twenty fourth. So you can pre order it now from wherever books are sold. We're very excited about it. Um, Whiteout right now. If you have, if you are one of our many readers who listens to the podcast without reading the books, and yeah. if you have not been sort of overtaken by the plotting that we did on this one. Um, It is free right now in Kindle Unlimited um, and available also wherever books are sold, including from Old Town Books, where you can get the, you can still get the Faded Mates Best of 2020 pack, um, which includes more books that we will be talking about over the course of the next few months. Um, So, you know, if you want to read up and be ready, that's a fun thing. Absolutely. I love this book. I'm glad you loved it. I I did. I really, really enjoyed it. It really was, because, you know, everyone knows I love an action movie. Handsome men blow things up. That's my favorite genre. And I feel like it's pretty infrequent where I read that experience that, like, feels like watching one of those movies is. Mm -hmm. And this really, like, rang all those bells for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I really do. If you are, if you work at at anywhere in Hollywood, yeah, make sure that you have a good look at this one. Anyway, I agree. I will co-sign your choice for best of twenty twenty. What an amazing feeling! Um, yeah, it's very exciting. I'm like, thank goodness. I said to Eric today, I was like, I'm kind of bummed I didn't read this last year, and then he was like, Yeah, but you read it this year, and I was like, That's yeah. a good point. This year seems terrible too. So. Well, and that's the other thing. I also do kind of feel like sometimes books really just kind of manage to, like, pick up the signals in the ether, mm-hmm. and the whole thing about this being like a virus and a vaccine. And the fight for that, and the, I mean, I was like, oh boy, talk about, you know, grabbing a tiger by the tail. Yeah. But right? also, um, yeah, it, I mean, I didn't love, I like, I didn't love dwelling on that. 
Because it right. did feel like, oh, shit, this mm-hmm. could happen. Like, mm-hmm. we are messing with stuff down there, finding yeah. weird stuff all the time. Sure. Oh, my God. That's all the time, right? People are like, we're going to, you know, unbox this mummy we found. And everyone's like, don't, don't do analyze it. analyze ice cores. <laughs> Listen, safety first, everybody. <laughs> uh, what a great book. Well, we hope you all enjoyed it, too. Thanks for joining us for Faded Mates. We hope you did it. We did it justice, Adriana, if you're listening. I never expect people to, but if you are, we loved it. And we think you're great. Um, this is Faded Mates. You can find us at fadedmates.net, where you can find all the music from the episodes and transcripts and clothing from Jordan Denae and stickers and pins from best friend Kelly um, and all sorts of other goodies. And uh, we are produced by Eric Mortensen. Yeah. Do we know what we're reading next? No. We don't. We're living it's an on the interstitial edge. next week. It'll be suspenseful. <laughs> on brand. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter to find out what we are reading next.